The way I usually start these off is do kind of some uh, rapid fire questions with each guest. And I'll say in the upfront here that y'all are my first episode of two complete strangers to me, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> We're going to do some rapid fire questions first to introduce you both. Um, name. Hello, my name is Caden Phoenix. Boom. Age. I am 25 years old. Place of birth. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. Boom. Uh, favorite state in the United States of America? Texas. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, least favorite type of sushi? Y'all are going to judge me for this one. California roll. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally agree. <laughs> like, I can't. It's stupid. It's not sushi. Yeah, it's it's not, yeah I'm, I'm I love nigiri more than anything. Okay. Okay. I can get on board with that. And um, best park in Austin? Oh, man. So the first thing that comes to your mind. Everybody likes to say, like, Zilker Park. Mm. But what do you say? You know, honestly, I don't know the name of the park, but it was this tiny, itty-bitty, like, out-of-the-way park that I used to go to as a kid when we uh, lived over in Project House and mm -hmm. growing up. And it was one of the smallest little things, but it had this cute little bird bath and like a little path. And I remember old ladies used to walk their dogs all the time over there and it always smelt like wisteria. <laughs> it was great. I like that. And it's also kind of the, the almost the opposite of Zilker, right? Like, and I, I, I like that about parks <laughs> too. Like, I don't go to a park to be surrounded by 500 people doing a yoga class or something. I go like. to like get in tune with nature. There you just go. Just to like chill out and vibe. So on a related note, and last random question for you, what do you miss most about 2019 life in Austin? People. People? <laughs> I miss socializing. I miss uh, going to bigger events and actually, you know, I don't know if you know about it, but the, um, the Austin Witchcraft Circle, they used to like... I might have said that name wrong, but they used to host events at like Elysium and stuff. Okay, cool. And I miss doing that. I miss going to like random little events and meeting people and like interacting. And stuff. For sure. Yeah. And COVID has made everything just incredibly solitary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's a very nice way of putting it. All right, cool. Great answers. We're going to you next. All right. Name? My name is Yuchi May. Age? I'm 21. Place of birth? Uh, Austin. You sure about that? Yes. <laughs> we were just talking about before we started rolling that you have you have some time in in Kyle and some of the surrounding mm -hmm. areas as well. Cool. Yeah. Favorite movie, and why? I think what's that one movie with Adam Sandler and that old short man? The old short man. <laughs> uh, it's like every Adam 21, Sandler movie. Twenty one Christmas or something. I know it was animated. Eight Crazy Nights. Yeah, Eight Crazy one. Nights. Yeah. Okay. yeah, nice, nice, cool. That was a good one. Jokes cool. on you. I can't read. <laughs> uh, least favorite rapper, Lil Pump. And you just you like know that for sure. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that or? Um, it kind of just speaks for itself. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Sounds good. And then same last question to you: What do you miss most about 2019 life in Austin? I think the biggest part would be just the openness. Sure. You know. Just like nowadays, it's just everybody is so focused on staying corona free and stuff like that. And it's just like, whoa, you know, I can't even go to the show. I can't I can't do anything yeah. anymore. Like, yeah. We're about to move into like stage five. Oh, yeah. And it's just getting worse and worse. And I just for sure. So for me personally, I, my answer to that question is live music mm -hmm. hands down yeah. mm -hmm. and because so many of the other aspects of of just general social life is wrapped into it so it's not just the show itself when you're at like the right show with the right artist the right following there's that sense of community yeah um that's what i was trying to get at. yeah it's like a great place to meet people with common interests there's just that kind of feeling of love there's nothing that can be replaced with that feeling of like everyone kind of saying the same words at the same time or like vibing on the same song even if it's new music you haven't heard of before it's cool to like just look around and feel the fact that like we're all feeling this right now, which is a good segue into the fact that like y'all have this musical vision and journey that you're on that I'm really curious about. And before getting into that, I just want to say that it's cool that you reached out to me, us, uh, yes. to, to be on the show, which I really appreciate. We take that very much so as a compliment that um, you would want to 
have a conversation on the show, <laughs> mainly because you seem just like all y'all seem very real. Like just, this is the actual, we don't want to be telling like the fortune 500 story. I mean, we're not opposed <laughs> to it, but that's not our thing. Like we want to be telling the actual Austin story. And from what I can glean just from like first, you know, 30 minutes we've been hanging out, like I'm getting a good genuine vibe from y'all. So we got a pretty good story. I want, yeah. I, I want to, I want to dig into that. I appreciate the fact that you reached out to us. Um, have you been reaching out to other podcasts in as part of your like business journey? There are a few that we have reached out to and we're setting up dates to actually go in and film and get things done. But we've been really pacing ourselves just, you know, I've noticed a lot of uh, indie labels and artists. We want to take things slow. You know, I've noticed that there's a lot of indie labels that just jump headfirst into it, throw all their money into it and everything else into it all in one go. Yep. And then they're gone after a year. And I don't want to do that. I want to be slow and steady wins the race. I want to introduce ourselves, get to know people, get to know the community, um, spread what our message is in a comfortable fashion, cool. not in a we're throwing it at your face kind of way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, real quick, can you grab right here and just bring this a little bit closer to your face? No. There you go. Much, much better. Um, before we dig deeper into that, can you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners and watchers in the context of wavy baby records in yes. terms of the role that you play. Yes. Alrighty fans and listeners. <laughs> my name is Caden Phoenix. I am 25 years old and I am the sole proprietor and owner of wavy baby records. Um, we are based out of Austin, Texas and our motto is making waves and mixing up some magic. Now our goal is to help younger amateur artists or underground artists to be seen and heard. And in a way that is not counterintuitive to their creativity or their independence. But you would never ask them to compromise kind of thing. Exactly. Right? Okay. When we want to work with an artist, we like what they have already. We just want to fine tune it, take that lump of metal, make it into a broadsword type of thing. Yeah. Mm. We don't want to throw it out. We don't want to do anything like that. We don't want to make a quick buck, nothing like that. There's so many talented and hungry artists here in Austin alone, like not even the rest of Texas that just need a good chance. They need a good break. They For need sure. mm -hmm. help. You know, some of them have some of the most amazing music, but they don't know how to promote themselves sure. or they don't know how to get on an interview or they don't know how to get into an event and things like that. Absolutely. So in a way, wavy baby records is a record label, but it's also a service provider. Nice. We're there to help unsigned artists that aren't signed to our label also be heard and seen and actually feel like they matter and understand that they are respected for their craft. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of the mindset that a, a rising tide raises all ships. Yes. And um, something actually you sent me a note and when we first initially connect, I want to read the directly what you sent me because I really liked it. You said we want to discuss music, bringing artists together, positivity and collaboration instead of negativity and cutthroat competition. Yes. Um, uh, I'm familiar with the latter half of that uh, as it's, you know, there's, th there is a business aspect to uh, the music industry. And then there's also kind of a sense of within specific genres, there's a sense of um, alpha and domination and kind of, there is, that does get competitive, right? Yes. Yep. Especially in hip hop. For sure. For sure. And uh, I, I like, I feel like as time goes on, I'll admit up front, like this is, that's not my main, that's not like the main world that I'm plugged into, but I certainly pay attention. Mm. And I love the examples of uh, artists or labels or whatever, who are able to either squash beef or like never start shit in the first place and be like, listen, dude, like, of course we want to make as much money as possible. And if that yes. means I'm making money and you're not, I'm okay with that. But that being said, like, we're all a part of the same, like, it's all a part of the culture. It's all a part of the, like, we're all a part of the same tide. And if we want to raise all ships, we have to realize that what you do, I do and vice versa in a certain sense. And like, if you're more successful than me, that doesn't mean fuck you. It's just like, let's figure out a way that we can both be a part of the overall positivity yes. of everyone. What I like to always say is that, you know, in this industry, people are not commodities. They're people. Mm -hmm. They're artists, mm -hmm. they're creatives. They go home to their kids. They, you know, they make hamburger helper on the weekend and then they're dropping a track the next day. Yeah. You know, if all I am as a record label 
or as an owner of my record label is I'm looking at these artists and going, okay, well, how many fans do you have now? How much can I make off of you now? That makes me a really shallow, shitty person. I would rather look at Mm. somebody and be like, oh, I really like your sound. I really want to get behind it. I love the message. I love what you're representing. Let me help you. For sure. And that's all it is. People are not commodities. All right. So on that note, good segue into you two. Let's talk about like where, what's your role within the label? Um, I rap, I sing, I produce, I mix and master. Um, I'm kind of savvy on technology. Nice. Which is critical, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. like, uh, what, what's the timeline with you coming on board? Where like, was it pretty much at the point of formation of Wavy Baby? Yes. All right, he cool. is my partner. All right. All right, cool. Very cool. I've so, been there from the start. I'm the lead producer. Nice. So. And what would you, um, how would you describe your musical journey from a technology standpoint? Uh, I feel like you and I are probably kindred spirits in the sense that like, I'm, I got a good decade plus on yeah. you in terms of just <laughs> life on this planet. But um, I, there are so many restrictions to being able to, you listen to your favorite artists, you see, um, videos and interviews of these guys men and women just performing at their absolute apex and it's like mm-hmm. there's just so much money that is required to even just get your foot in the door at that level <laughs> and studio time alone exactly. let alone yeah. you know yes. having pr people and promotion and even mm-hmm. it sometimes it costs money to do collaborations and things yes. like that so like um what was your journey in terms of becoming the level of tech savvy that you needed to be to record at the quality that you wanted to do or, or do what you're doing do you want me to start at the very very beginning very, for my la- yeah, first track day, day one let's do it okay so this is something that's super illegal and i do not recommend any other <laughs> artists do this because you might get sued and all of these tracks are deleted from the internet forever but it's good um, i would go on youtube and look up like free type beats and stuff like that and then uh, download them sure. and then drag <laughs> them into audacity yeah and then just record one single track hook verse everything all in one go so even with um audacity i guess i'm curious because just with the journey i went through how did you even pick audacity there's a lot of different of those programs free. like available to like which one are you going to teach yourself i was broken it was free oh cool there, <laughs> yeah. you go. there you go there you go i was young i was really really young but i wanted to get into music what's what's real young like 12 13 14 oh. like baby that's like, awesome dude baby, yeah baby. that's i see these videos now of like five-year-olds just slaying on a drum yeah. set. i'm like fuck why didn't my parents <laughs> put drumsticks in my yeah, hand when i was right? like three uh so i i really do appreciate the fact that that you got into it and regardless of the means or whatever and like even those who would have a legal claim against anything that you did at the time have nothing to actually gain from pursuing a case against you for that yeah. kind of and so for me i'm all like because you're not like profiting crazy off of that or whatever you did what you needed to do to like yeah. get that base knowledge yeah. of to pursue your craft right well it, it developed because um uh shortly after that i decided to make uh some pretty bad choices sure. and uh, i got uh, i started abusing certain substances and stuff like that sure. and um i stopped focusing on music and more on that side of life and eventually i realized that you know the drugs and stuff are always going to be there. Yeah. My mindset, who I am, my health, that's not always going to be there. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm getting older every day. Stuff is catching up to me. And I realize, like, you know, I got to put this stuff down. So I'm curious, did your interest in music and the people that you associated with because of your interest in music lead you to those poor life decisions? Or was that a separate it's, part of your life? It's kind of interesting. So um, the initial person that offered me drugs the first time was actually the same person who got me off of drugs that's very interesting yeah um i moved into a sober house full of musicians um like 10 20 musicians everyone had their own studio and stuff here in Um, austin yeah that's awesome um and uh after that it just kind of developed you know my friends would be like yo yo yuchi i need you to need you to lay some drums down on this melody i made or i need you to put some hi-hats or some whatever, you know, and just make it, make it a hit. And was this just friends getting together? Was there yeah. some sort of, that's no. fucking cool. Is that something that still is yes. in existence? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it was just practicing it over and over. And then, you know, people needing me to put my little spice on it. And then mm-hmm. after a while, I just started looking at like YouTube videos of how to produce stuff and like the internet money. 
well, the internet money tutorials and mm. stuff like that, they go really in depth with how to produce real hits, how to mix and master, how to how to do the real stuff, you know? And what age are you at this point that we're talking about? Probably like 17. Are you still in school at this point? No, I graduated at 16. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. I, so I, I was kind of forced into it because of the, the bad choices. <laughs> so uh, I have kind of a uh, fuck college type mentality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I You do? I'm actually in college. Oh, fuck it. Two degrees. <laughs> Two degrees. Cool. Well, so let me clarify. I'm all for it. I think that it's, we think it's a racket and a lot of kids get taken advantage of. It's amazing the idea that I feel very fortunate that I knew what I wanted to do at the time that I got into college, but some of my best friends have switched majors five or six times. A lot of them don't even finish. <laughs> you still got to fucking pay, right? Yeah, for and sure. in a lot of industries as well, even if you do successfully graduate, it's you and 900,000 other kids who have the same undergrad piece of paper. So it's like exactly. kind of figuring out that system. That being said, uh, I have a college degree. <clears throat> I'm proud of the fact that I have it. I think that in a process where either you're applying to it, it really depends on like the field, right? Like if you want to be a physicist or you want to get yeah. into creative writing, yeah. kind of different things, right? So um, I think there's a lot to be said about even going through that because it's a test for yourself, right? You take on this financial burden. Do you have the determination? Yeah, exactly. To finish it and to hold yourself accountable for that. And then if you do that, yes, you enter into the... Uh, adult working world world or whatever with a lot of uh, <laughs> debt, but it's also you've already achieved something that a lot of people haven't. Yeah. Even if you don't know how to like monetize that right away, it's still really important that you did that your for foot yourself. In the door. Yeah. So not taken away from what you're doing at all. And I fully encourage you to give it your all as long as that's something that you want to do. I think that's the main thing is that every, maybe not everyone, a lot of people, especially this kind of suburban <clears throat> mentality is you finish high school, you immediately no gap year, Mm. Don't fucking go get a job where you immediately go into school, you get your undergrad. And now that's even turned to like, you immediately go get your master's. And it's like, you don't even know what you want to do with your fucking life. Yeah, and then in out. that process, a lot of artistic endeavors get pushed to the wayside. Yeah. So like, I know for me personally, music is a huge part of my life. What I do outside of this is I make music for like uh, video games and TV commercials Ooh, and stuff like that. Nice. But I also knew going into school that like, I'm not going to go to school for this because the best musical talent out there is raw is raw. Yeah. It is Exactly. Yes. And raw you can talent. make great connections and stuff in the mm -hmm. right school, but I just knew right off the bat, like I'm not Berkeley level talent where I'm going to get accepted, <laughs> gonna, you know? So like, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a give and take, but, uh, so I appreciate where you're coming from in terms mm -hmm. of like, um, did, were you even considering college? You like got out of high school. You're like, all oh, right, this is life now. Fuck no. Okay. I was, I was on a, looking for the easiest best way that i can learn music theory and everything about music the quickest way possible so that i can retire by the time i'm 30. okay so you all right that's good like you you had a vision you weren't just like i, I have hobbies one of them is music no it, that, that's that's where the thing kind of switched up for me recently is you know when we opened up the record label i realized that it wasn't just a hobby it wasn't just something that i do in my free time yeah I spend eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. It's a full-time job. Full job. Yeah. You either treat it like a job or you, you get fired. Yep. That's a, that <laughs> I want to get that tattooed on my back. I think that's, funny. <laughs> I, think that's I think that's fantastic. So, uh, that's the mindset of uh, creative vision behind the scenes. Do you share that vision in terms of like, what do you want to achieve with a record label, especially in a, and I'm, I'm big on devil's advocate. So anything I say to disparage the idea of a record label is nothing personal. I just, I've someone who also comes from the music world. Um, I have the, the idea of like getting a record deal and like yeah. the labels is the one who makes <laughs> everything happen. But then over the last 10 years, it's like you have all these self-starters. Mm -hmm. You have people mm -hmm. who can use things like SoundCloud and DistroKid and their own publishing and like that they stand on the quality themselves in the social networking. So given all of the things and, you know, there's a lot of labels out there that are just bloated and they, they want to commoditize it. They want to find the next thing that made them that looks exactly like the thing that made them the most money previously and then do it again. You don't want to do that. So what is your goal with a not that you're looking to commoditize art, but you are building a business around art while trying to keep authenticity. What do you want to do with that in a time of COVID and after COVID? Okay. Let me see how to answer this the right way. In 50 words or less. In 50 words. No. <laughs> <laughs> do we have a word count? <laughs> okay. So like I said, you know, it's about the authenticity, the raw talent, keeping the independence and making it about the artist, not about the dollar dollar bill y'all. 
And, and I'm, I'm going to derail you a few times. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> how, do you, how do you find talent? How do I find talent? Yeah. Pretty easy. I listen and I go, ooh, that makes my ears tingle. And then I'm like, ooh, listen, I'm I like, want to listen to it. On like SoundCloud or like where you find all stuff? sorts of stuff okay. like SoundCloud. Um, actually, I recently started listening on to Bandcomp, which is like the European ish version of all of that. And then also YouTube. Uh, people will send me their personal tracks and stuff that hasn't been published. And, you know, think about it. When you're listening to music, you listen to the music that captivates you. Yep. So I apply that to the same thing. Is it going to captivate me? This raw, un, you know, hammered out talent, is it already captivating me? Well, it is. All right. How do I make that even more intense? So do you think that your personal taste in music is reflective of uh, the tastes or interests or desires of a much larger group? Like, do you feel like your personal taste is in tune and in the same vein as your current generation? I definitely feel that that is the case and also it kind of helps the fact that i love all forms of music i'm not just specifically signaling out this type or that type or this or that i like all kinds and then i also like the stuff that hasn't been heard yet like stuff that just makes me go whoa that was cool and then you know growing up that's all anybody ever did was hey dude look at this song real quick and you know, that's how we grow up together here in Austin. It's like, dude, listen to this new song. Check this out. Like a family. Hear this, hear this person. Sure. Hey, my uncle's playing over at the Saxon Pub. Like, you know, like that's everybody's cool. about music here. Oh, music has been. Rest in peace, Saxon Pub. Mm-hmm. Yes. But music has always been a part of my life. So it's pretty easy for me to make it a passion of my own because it is my passion. It is me. It's yeah. what I love. It's how I grew up. It's how I connect, you know, and thinking about it, that's what I want to bring back. You were talking about what we missed about 2019. I want to bring that back, the connectivity of music, not Mm -hmm. just the, oh, that's catchy or the, oh, that's kind of cool. I want to rep it. I want to bring back connectivity, emotion, like back in the era of Frank Sinatra type stuff, like the way he could sing. Mm -hmm. It made people cry. It made people move. It made sure. people feel. I don't want just what's catchy. I want something that's going to make people feel a type of way. And if it can make me feel a type of way, hmm. it's going to make everybody else feel a type of way. For sure. So that's pretty much how I go about it. So what does that look like in five years? Just I, in an idyllic world. Ideally, if I get everything I want and I uh, accomplish all of my goals, I want to get Wavy Baby's hands in everything. I want to make our own video games. I want to make our own music. I want to make our own just all of it. And and do you see this being an Austin-specific endeavor? Yes. I was born Mm -hmm. and raised here. My business started here. My family is here. We have been in Austin. My family has been in Austin since it was founded. Before then. Yes. This is my home. Cool. This is where I'm at. Even if I move all the way to Japan one day, you know, who wouldn't want to? That's fine. (laughs) But even if I move to Japan and I live out the rest of my life there, this is my home. Cool. This is where I'm from. I love that. Uh, Do you feel similarly from a musical standpoint? Like, do you feel, is there a musical connection to um, the art that you make in your specific genre connected to Austin? I I feel like it's not commonly a place that's lumped in there with uh, anything in that realm like if you're a specific genre but that's Um, not to say that it can't be right well like the thing is is that like a lot of artists that came out of austin and actually blew up i'm not talking about rappers Mm. you know i'm talking about like you know rock and roll stars back in the 80s who sold platinum albums Mm -hmm. you know like that's that's what i get my inspiration from and i try to like nelson yeah i I try to take that october gary clark jr black pumas just got nominated for a bunch of take uh, that sound take that sound the midi for that and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and then just put a different instrument on it and mess with the notes until it sounds perfect cool you know and then then i can say hey hey uh i sampled Willie Nelson or I sampled this person mm-hmm. because they're from Austin. For sure. Because we're an Austin based record label. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so I actually listened to sitting low, uh, before you guys <laughs> got here and, uh, I'm a, I would say one of my core instruments is, is guitar. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there's kind of like a clean guitar. It's not like, it's not, but doesn't punch you in the face or whatever. And there's mm-hmm. other, th- it kind of sits back in the beat. Um, but is, so is that actually something that you do? You'll, you'll find certain artists that are from, 
the Austin area or have that kind of Texas connection and you'll, you'll find some musical way to incorporate that into what you're doing. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. something, I that. that's something, I, something I learned recently, and this is something that's kind of popping off with a lot of artists is people are using guitar and trying to incorporate that into rap because the guitar itself, the instrument gives you more Hertz and more frequencies than most other instruments, even yep. analog instruments. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, you can do some crazy stuff on there. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And especially in like a, a pretty bass-dominated yeah. genre, when you're working with guitar, you're you're dealing with a whole different the, spectrum of frequencies yeah. that a lot that can still very much so mm -hmm. well um, interact with 808s and and, mm -hmm. a, and a great groove or whatever. It's perfect. It's, it, yeah, exactly. And it does also doesn't interfere with vocals mm -hmm. as well. So it like kind of maintains that sonic spectrum. So um, back to the label, do you see yourself being um, I don't want to say genre specific because there's so many genres, but in general, in the, in the broadest sense, do you feel like, do you see yourself sticking to, I think you might like my answer. Okay. I don't want to stick to any of the known genres. Okay. I want to make an Austin genre. Mm. What is our motto? Keep Austin weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's do the weird genre. Barbecue trap. Yes. <laughs> We're going to the Screamo? cookout. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. I'd listen to that. <laughs> Screamo cookout. Let's ooh, do it. Ooh, that's ooh. really good. We're onto something here. But that's what I want to do. I want to not only re-put Austin on the map. You're good. You're good, dude. <laughs> I'll watch it's, that it's, later. It's like, I mean, Austin has always been known as the live music capital. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's really fallen behind the past few years. As far as like making waves and making changes and different things like that, it's almost like Austin's asleep waiting for something. Mm. So that's what I want to do. I want to make wavy baby what wakes Austin up. And I want to create a new genre, which is weird music. Okay. You know? And my idea for that is that think of all the genres that are out there. I'll just throw them in a trash bag and pick one up. <laughs> <laughs> and then add some like glitter and some like. I don't know, like some, some, some good stuff to it. Like, sure. I just want to make it, I want to make it fresh. I want to make it new. I want to make it something that people are going to listen to and be like, whoa, what is that? Sure. Where did that come from? I want more of that. I want to know who made that. Yeah. Mm. What do the lyrics mean? You know? So as someone that, um, I, I love Austin. I've been here many, many times before moving here. I'm also cognizant of the fact that as a whole, I'm technically a part of the problem uh, in terms of what has, uh, the bigger Austin gets, the more giant companies come here. Yes. Um, cost of living goes way up. Expansion goes way up. The sprawl goes way up. The weirdness goes down. You, things start to happen that, um, authenticity starts to become rarer and more pocketed and everything like that. Yes, the hippie culture gets washed out. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, do you feel that, um, I guess, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you think that you're going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve given the fact that inevitably it's not going to disappear, but the Austin of your parents is not going to come back short of some sort of like apocalypse happens and you know, a fourth of the population gets wiped out. You like. know, to be honest, I hear a lot about how like the local Austinites are mad about the people that are moving here and all this other stuff. But I think people forget that Austin is a melting pot. Mm. Immigrants have come here. Mm. Native American people, sorry, indigenous people were here, you know, freedmen mingled in. It is a melting pot. Of all the parts of the United States, Austin is definitely a melting pot. And instead of trying to combat the whole, oh, well, there's new people coming in and washing out the culture, let's incorporate them into the culture. Yeah. Instead of going, no, nah, this is just Austin, and then that's all them. Exclusive. No, they came to Austin. <laughs> they came to Austin sure. to set up their businesses, yep. to bring their families here, to be a part of the culture, yep. and to add to it. Yeah. So let's welcome them. For sure. Instead of being competition, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, that was the whole point of what I said earlier, which is no more competing, no more putting each other down. Let's do the positivity. Let's get back to the roots of what Austin is, which is positivity, creativity, mm -hmm. melting pot. Being together, family, mm. friends, you know, the cookout. Yep. Let's get back to that. Yeah. Let's get back to the weird side of Austin. Let's get back to the weird music, the freshness, the strangeness of it all, because that is what drives people here. I love it. 
Yep. And that's what I want to do. 100%. Have you heard of the the Beautiful Drunk Show? One more time. The Beautiful Drunk Show? I'm not, but I'm... It's hilarious. It's good. It's funny. Uh, a friend of mine, Martin Keene, he, he does that. Mm-hmm. Show? Yes, you'll have to look it up at some time. <laughs> is that an awesome thing? It's amazing. Yes, it is an awesome thing. Okay, so it brings up a good point. Um, so what was the show that you just mentioned? Okay, so it's called The Beautiful Drunk Show. And what made me think about it was the fact that you're drinking a beer right now. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? Shout out to Martin real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Martin King. And that's that's out of Austin? Yes. Okay. I mean, I love to drink and I love Austin. Your friends in Austin? Yes. All right, cool. Love it. So that's great. Um, so speaking about community, Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up something kind of fun. So we're having our first launch party event in January. We being Wavy Baby? Yes. Wavy Baby is partnering with the Black Justice Resource Group to bring about, uh, our launch party. We're doing a dual launch party to launch their foundation and also to launch our record label as like an official. Is that an Austin organization? Cool. Yes. Great. And uh, we're going to be showcasing a bunch of artists. Like, it's going to be pretty big. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was community foundations and charities. Sure. Absolutely. Wavy Baby is very much about civil rights and LGBTQ rights. My, I myself am a trans person. My pronouns are he and they. And what I've noticed is that there's not a whole lot of record labels or music groups that are also founded by LGBTQ members. Oh, yeah. It almost seems to me like the music group, the whole music industry has just kind of like, eh, they're kind of there. Uh, You're saying you from, know? Like, from like a business yes, standpoint? from mm-hmm. a business like and also artist, an artist. Like, oh, yeah, yeah like, they but, love it. They want to yeah, get behind it. But, but business-wise, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, eh. I completely you agree. Know, like, I 100% agree with that. Yep. And it's something really important to me to give a shout-out to, that if you are also... Whether you are a person of color, LGBTQ, anything at all, you need to chase your dreams and chase your passions and don't feel that whatever might make you stand out might make you stand under everyone else. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's good. Um, I, I was curious, actually. So um, you're one of the, you both are some, some of the younger people that we've had on the show. Um, not that I'm like some sort of grandpa or something, but you know, there's, there are these cultural shifts on a decadely basis and then also geographically. So I grew up up North, which is, I think as a whole, a little bit more um, open and progressive and accepting and whatnot. But I can also definitively say that despite the fact I grew up in a nice place outside of Milwaukee, I just know uh, some of my best friends are gay men and they, they wouldn't have Mm. dreamed of coming out in high school. That just was not on the table. That was, it was a self-preservation thing. It was just like a, why, yes. I mean, why would I shoot myself in the foot like that? It's a terrible yeah. thing that that, and I don't think that any sort of like violence would have come to him, but at the very least there would have been kind of this stig- stigma of just like outcast. And, and for, uh, uh, unfortunately countless number of reasons, we know the worst reasons why people don't come out in either high school or their entire lives. Um, I, I do have a strong faith and encouragement that our society is evolving in a way that it is becoming easier and easier and more accepted and and more, not even just that, just it's becoming just a part of, as it should be, Oh, this is normal fucking life. And it doesn't, this isn't like a gender reveal party or something. This isn't something where it needs to be this big fucking deal. It's just like respect the individual. We're all individuals. Which is also, I had a dear friend of mine that waited until he was all the way out in college before he came out. And I asked him, I was like, well, why nobody was going to do anything to you or nothing like that. Everybody was very open. And he's like, honestly, I wanted to keep something of my life private. Mm. And I was like, Oh, that actually makes sense. Because think about how open everybody is about every little thing in our life. And like, imagine being a, a, a cis heterosexual person and making that decision. Oh, I just want to keep my own private sexuality private. It almost sounds weird when we say it out loud, but then when somebody that's a part of the other community, the LGBTQ Mm -hmm. community or whatever, when they say, oh, I want to keep it private, it's like, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And I think that's a little strange that even our subtle ideas about privacy and how we feel about, you know, ourselves, whether we're part of the community or 
cis or whatever we are, that some things are more acceptable for someone to be private about than other stuff. And I think that's so silly, but I also respect people's desire for privacy and respectability. Like you don't have to tell everybody every little thing about you, but if you do come out and you do say something, man, kudos to you. Clap on the back. That's impressive. That's courageous. That's amazing. Because this world that we do live in is very, very judgmental. We are making progress. We are moving forward. You know, I'm a 25-year-old trans person, and I own my own business yeah. within a month. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, if I went back 40 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say any of that. Sure. <laughs> At <laughs> of all. Of course, yeah. <laughs> like, and I think it's fair to say that, especially in a place like Texas. Exactly. And which is the funny thing. Texas... You know, as a red state, but mm-hmm. then Austin is so progressive. I mean, we are seriously a melting pot. We have gangsters and lesbians going to the same bar. Yeah. And like everybody doesn't care. Like it's so cool. Respect. Everybody's just open and respect. I'm Austin is the type of place that I'm not gonna judge you based on who you're in a relationship with or any of that. I'm going to judge you based on your character. I'm going to judge you based on your word. Are you a man, a woman, or an other of your word? Right. That kind of thing. And, you know, one of my favorite things that my favorite memory was, uh, it's not in Austin, it's actually in San Marcos, but it's called the Stonewall Bar. And I went there, and a bunch of people from Austin go to Stonewall. And I walk up there, and it's a gay bar, and... They have, like, you know, gangster-looking people that listen to, like, Pimp C and all this other stuff intermingling with, like, well-to-do, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, upper-class white men who are not gay whatsoever, but they went to support their drag friends. And I was just Mm. sitting there looking at all of it, and I'm just like, holy cow, this is the era we live in now. Yes. Was, and, and I like, was just like, like specific, wow. Like specifically Austin, or do you think that that's something that's happening? It's specifically everywhere. But okay. Austin, really prominent. Very prominent about it. Yeah, that I, I want Austin to be known for like the flagship of that. Of like, yes. yes, it's not the original weirdness that Austin once was, but like it is reflective of the most progressive version of the new normal. Austin actually had uh, another motto that I used to hear my elders talk about. And mm. it was, come to Austin, Texas, come as you are and stay as you are. We're going to make you weird anyway. <laughs> and I love that. And I don't hear nobody saying that anymore. And that's the truth. Like when that. you come to Austin, you're expecting all sorts of stuff. Texas, oh my goodness. I remember when I moved to Illinois for a short period, people thought I wore cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and all this <laughs> other stuff. And then when my best friend came from Illinois to come and visit me down yeah. here in Texas when I moved back, she was just like, this is not what I expected. Right. And I was like, what did you expect? She was like, I was expecting like Texans with guns and just Where's walking around horses? with a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, no, it's about music. It's about community. It's huh? about acceptance. It's about, you know, fuck whatever, you know, your personal stuff is. Are you OG enough? To stand on your own two feet. Are you a person of mm-hmm. work? Are you going to be creative? Are you going to add to Austin instead of take away from Austin? Yeah. And that's how everybody feels. Down from the most poverty, living in project housing, all the way to the 3.5 mil houses out at Westlake. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody is on the same page, which is keep Austin weird, keep it fresh, but keep it respectable. And accept everyone yeah, as keep they it open. are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Acceptance. So on the uh, pronoun front, I had something that I wanted to talk to you about. Are you familiar with a, a there's a, a professor from Canada. His name's Jordan Peterson. Have you ever heard of him? I have, actually. Okay. So he's well-known, and I guess I would even say infamous, um, kind of within the LGBTQ community because he has really planted a flag in the ground in terms of... Um, to, I'm going to read a quote from him, but basically he's been like, fuck your pronouns, I'll call you whatever I want. And I'm curious what your thoughts on it are specifically. I'm going to read this quote to you, and I just want your like initial reaction to it. For sure. I'm I'm probably, I probably already it. heard the quote, yeah. too. <laughs> so <clears throat> this, is, this is Jordan Peterson. 
I don't recognize another person's right to determine what pronouns I use to address them. I think they're connected to an underground apparatus of radical left political motivations. I think uttering those words make me a tool of those motivations. And I'm going to try and be a tool of my own motivations as clearly as I can to articulate them and not be the mouthpiece of some murderous ideology. Ooh, a lot to unpack there, but I'm, I'm going to Bad break bottom. it down really simply. So anybody listening at home that might agree with that, they have an understanding of why it's wrong, not just from a, oh, a LGBTQ civil rights aspect, but an actual like intelligence aspect. Yeah. Okay. First of all, what is grammar? Grammar is language or, you know, a bunch of sounds that we use to communicate with one another, to share ideas and to express, correct? Mm. So there are some countries in this world that do not have third pronouns because it never developed in the language. The English language is incredibly lucky to have numerous upon numerous options for pronouns. Russia is one of those exactly. countries that you're talking about. Yes, yep. and also Mexico. Mexico only has he and her pronouns, which, side note, it's kind of interesting because if you are a gay man in Mexico, you're more likely to use female pronouns when speaking to signify that you're gay. Just a little tidbit out yeah, there. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah. So, mm. but look, if you're going to sit there and go, I'm not going to use your preferred pronouns because of some crazy agenda. That makes you sound crazy. You're literally foregoing language. I just want to clarify. Language. You didn't say crazy. He said murderous. Murderous. <laughs> murder. 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 Like, Guilty. Dude, I read that. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But I mean, like, come on. That's crazy. You're literally going to completely ignore language, which has taken thousands of years to progress this far. You're going to completely ignore respect just blatant respect for a person because that would be like me going i like i am a cis man saying i am a cis man him going no what's up girl yeah yeah like yes i agree with that yes so that doesn't even make sense on its own like if somebody identifies a specific way it's just simple respect just respect the person that's another human being how would he feel if i just walked in and called him zer so big. Or something completely random, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just refusing to respect him. So he, so he's a teacher at the University of Toronto, and the, the way that this first came up is that he, two things that are worth noting. One, this is a response to legislation that was passed in Canada that basically made it um, illegal to not respect someone's pronoun of choice. To me personally, it sounds like he has an authority issue. I don't think, I think that's a big thing that's super yeah. clear is that he literally cannot relate at all. And that's a big problem with any democracy is that if you don't understand that, again, it's the rising tide thing and respect is a rising tide. You don't have to believe the same thing as someone else or live their life to be able to respect them and to not be able to just get on board with a pronoun choice because you feel like you're some sort of fucking patriot and you think that, I guess this idea of that there is this murderous that murderous ideology think that you have some sort of like secret group of fuckers that are getting together like hey man obviously we're all just straight as fuck and obviously uh, we're, we're planning world domination we with our they thems yeah. <laughs> um so I, I can appreciate the fact that there being a concern about there being legal repercussions for it but i i he makes it very clear that even if there weren't legal repercussions for it and i think it in a scenario where like i am the teacher of these students it's just how much of a fucking asshole do you have to be to just be like, I'm going to call you what I want to call you. That's it. Your stop, name's not stop Jeff. Eating bacon. It's now Paul. Like, that's the same thing. I, I, it's I, the same I think, thing. I think that's what it is. I think they just don't you know, eat bacon. Honestly, I feel like a lot of people, <laughs> even within my own family, I have issues with the whole pronoun thing, which sure. I love them to pieces. They're trying and everything else. That's fantastic. But I think, I think there's something that nobody's really touching on. I feel like people are afraid of changing up the language because it questions their comfortability. Yeah. And if they're uncomfortable, they want to get back to that comfortability quickly instead of just going, you know what? I'll just be comfortable with being respectful. That's really what it is all down to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as well was currently de previously defined as, and I don't, I don't want to get into Trump, but I feel like the idea of make America great again has always been about things used to be great a long time ago. You know what that makes me think of? Which, by the way, I don't know if anybody else has said it about the make America great thing. That's Trump basically saying America's not great. 
Oh, 100%. Yes. 100%. Our own president is saying yes. our country's not great yes. and he's going to make it great. That insults me as an American because, I mean, yeah, my country has a bunch of problems. What country doesn't? Mm, not even but American. I'm never going to stand in front of my people as the leader of my people and say, yeah, we got a shit country, but I got it, bro. Like, what? But in the same way that art evolves, music evolves, technology evolves, I sure as fucking hope that we can all be on the same page <laughs> that society evolves. Yeah. And in the same way that you can look at the current phone that you're holding and then look at a fucking flip razor from 15 years ago and mm -hmm. be like, this is much better. They're coming back. Societal. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> societal evolution is um, as long within it, the construct of things that we agree upon, like what you're talking about with language. Like the idea is that we all agree to the same parameters of the language. So when we use it to each other, yes. we agree with what is being said. Yes. So with societal evolution, I, I just feel like that's or it's not necessarily evolution, but just progression. It's the same thing. We all want the best possible place to live for each other, for ourselves, for our families and whatnot. Yeah. And this idea of, well, actually it was way better 40 years ago before all of that evolution occurred. So let's just get back to that and shut the fuck yeah. up. Well, you want to know what's something that's really interesting that a lot of people don't seem to think about is the fact that us progressing by using proper pronouns and being respectful of the communities mm -hmm. and different stuff like that. Uh, we were doing that like 3,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like that was already a thing. This isn't new. These pronouns, these identifiers for gender and everything else has long, 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 long time been around. Mm -hmm. We actually stepped backward in refusing rights and mm -hmm. disrespecting people and making a big deal about bathrooms and pronouns and all this other stuff. Countries all over the world are a million miles ahead of us right now. You know, like, take Sweden, for example. You know, they obviously have him and her, but they also have hair, which is a combination of the two for children and people who do not want to identify as any gender or sure. both. Yeah. And they added that into their own language. Yeah. Okay, take India, for example. They had a whole caste that was, for, you know, lack of a better term, trans individuals who were considered outcasts, but they were important members of the community. Sure. Take indigenous people all over the place, two-spirited. That's a term that's been com coming around hugely in the past few years. Two-spirited? Two-spirited. Yeah. So, like T-O-O? Two, yes. Two, two and so the okay. idea behind that, which... Uh, T-W-O. Just so you have a little oh, oh, two, like two-spirited. Yeah. Okay. Two. Okay. So the idea behind two-spirited is that you are a human being born with both spirits within you male and female oh oh okay gotcha. yes cool. yeah. instead of separating the two so basically you know to put it into uh more modern terms a two-spirited person would be uh considered like a trans or a non-binary person sure or someone of a third gender and they were respected members of the community how is it that there are these terms there's these language that we can communicate with all across the world where sure. everyone is being acknowledged that there is more than one gender, there is more than one state of life, and yet America is one of the world powers and we can't wrap our head around just saying one simple word. Yeah, mm. for sure. Just for respect. For sure. That is insane to me. Yeah, it is insane. Unified. Yeah. Totally agree. It just don't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I do think that we are fortunate to all be alive during a time where we're probably going to see the, at least certainly within our lifetime and our children or, or whatever, the um, most growth and progress in maybe all of civilization in terms of America. And so yeah. in, the, in 300 years we're we are seeing the most progress and there's fucking people are fighting against it. People fucking hate it. People get threatened by it. And a lot it's of time about I, comfortability. I do think it's a lot of time it's people who are fighting against their own inner feelings or identification or mess and they're suppressing it so much because of uh, religion or anything like that. And I, it's, it's, I think this is a really important time that we live in. And I think art and music is a, is a big way that we can uh, transcend a lot of those barriers. Which is also what I want to do with wavy baby records. I want to bring on, not just, you know, the stereotypical type artists. I want to reach out to the different communities that are all over and say, Hey, I want to hear you. We want to hear you. Come on, let's hear. What do you got? So I want to phrase this question correctly, and I'll say we, we got about ten minutes left here. Um, but and and we can totally 
not talk about this if you don't want to, but I'm, I'm curious. From my outsider perspective, I get the impression that specifically within the hip hop community, that part of the alpha, um, uh, part of the brand of a lot of the, the, the mainstream hip hop and rap is there is this sense of uh, straight male. I, this is actually something fun. So I actually, Su I'm just super curious about it. Like I just in terms wrote of like a paper. How you see that evolving. So and Ooh. I also think Ooh. that there's, I mean, there's good, like even the movie Moonlight, which won Best Picture two years yes, ago. Yes, that was like, a fabulous movie. I, I completely agree. That. And they do a great job of talking about, and not talking about, but addressing the it fact that like, yeah, this is something within these communities that like is so stigmatized. Yes. Yeah. And so. actually, um, I recently wrote a paper about this, so I did some quite extensive research. Uh, college, um, <laughs> two degrees, what? Two degrees. <laughs> philosophy. Hey, shout out to philosophy with emphasis on humanities and oh, yeah. business administration. <laughs> hey. So, you know, it's kind of weird, though. You know, black trans individuals were the main reason for the civil rights movement for the LGBTQ community. And I think that it's something that's not really talked about, but black communities have always had LGBTQ people, have always had trans individuals. They've always had a third gender somewhere in there. Even if you go all the way to wherever, it could be in the middle of Ethiopia. They actually have specific tribes that honor these third genders and different things like that. I think what ended up happening was that when the black community was eager to be seen and heard and everything else, it, for lack of a better term, got whitewashed. Yeah, it conformed. It conformed, yeah. it got whitewashed, Societal, and then yeah. all of a sudden, the big, strong, black, aggressive male was what was monetized. Mm. The big, voluptuous, black female who's also straight was monetized. I mean, look at how much waves was made when Lil Nas came out. Everybody was losing their shit about it. The white community was, the black community was like, yeah, finally. Yeah. Yep. Now, what does that say? That says that the black community is not necessarily transphobic or, you know, homophobic or anything like that. It's how it was whitewashed. Yeah. And then it became a part of the culture to be hard. It became a part of the culture to be toxic in masculinity, toxic in femininity, because you needed to conform. You needed to be hard with in the, a hard world. With the Tupac and Biggie era and stuff like that, it really pushed, you know, you got to be a blood or a crip or you got to be this or that. It's so like know, tribalism, right? Like, yeah, regardless yeah. of what, what the things you're identifying you, with, you, that's coast you, or color yeah. or, or like color of what you're wearing. Long, long story short, you got to be the alpha. You got to be the top tip dog, tip top dog. And realistically, you already are. Yeah. Yes. Everybody already is. But I feel like, and I'm not obviously not speaking for a community, but I feel like there's been this assumption that, um, and just in the broadest sense that homosexuality is, is associated with there's obviously there's no way you could be alpha and gay. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck are you Nobody talking Nobody heard about? of a top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing is like, you know, I, I'll kiss you boy. <laughs> you know, obviously I can't speak for everybody. Speak you for know, yourself. Yeah. But what I have noticed with history wise is that you know, going back into the slave eras and stuff, when people were being auctioned off, it was usually the strong alpha males. It was usually the buxom, broad females and things like that. And then, you know, fast forward through the segregation, everything else that happened. And then now here we are in the common era. Now, that idea of a prized colored person is still being perpetrated in a toxic way it's just positioned differently it's positioned differently yeah. but it's still happening and it's still it's still subjugating people it, it i just was talking to an artist actually yeah. a young black man that um he was super excited to put his music out it sounded like a hippie new wave version he's like how do you think they'll like it though I'm like, it's fantastic. What do you mean? He's like, well, uh, I mean, you know, 
I'm not like the big buff black guy. And I'm like, honey, that, that doesn't matter. You have talent. What are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, my cousin was telling me that I probably won't sell because I don't have muscles and I don't look like 50 cent and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, none of that matters. You got talent. You have a voice. You have a message. Mm -hmm. And then it hit me when I got home and I was like, oh my God. It goes without saying yeah. that it's still toxic. It's still poisoning oh, the community. It's yeah, still absolutely. putting out this idea that there is no inclusiveness in the community. And then in that case, it also separates them from everybody else because everybody else is wanting inclusiveness. Yeah. And now there is a perpetrated idea that the black community is not inclusive, mm -hmm. that they're hard, that they're alpha and all this other stuff. And that, it just sets it up to where they get signaled out. Sure. Well, I, I want to say that I'm, again, you know, we literally just met for the first time tonight. I, I'm proud to know that y'all are doing what you're doing um, mm -hmm. with this mission. It's something I firmly believe in, fully want to support. I think it's so important just from a cultural standpoint, from a musical standpoint, from a stereotype standpoint, from a crossing barriers and, mm -hmm. and crashing through ceilings yes. kind of standpoint. Like I'm all Make for that. Make waves. Fuck the ceiling. Fuck yeah, absolutely. I'm in the sky. Yeah. And, I, and I'm uh, fully for both of you from a, from a business, logistics, relationship standpoint, from a music standpoint, from a sampling standpoint, from a lyrical standpoint, whatever, from even from an image standpoint. Like I, I fully encourage you to just say fuck everyone who is not on board with this, especially in a place like Austin. I sincerely hope a big reason that I'm in a place like Austin is because I feel like it is a place where you can do yes. that. And those who come up against you can truly go fuck themselves. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm 100% And I'll gladly say this. Yeah. If you are against civil rights, if you are against the communities, if you are against respecting one another, if your only goal is to cause damnation and degradation and like just freaking evil energy, don't fucking come near me mm -hmm. because yeah. my whole purpose in life is positivity and bringing about love, happiness, community, and peace. And I do not want nothing to do with anybody that's a racist, a bigot, a sexist, misogynist, homophobic, a transphobic, anything any, like yeah. that. My but, bottom yeah. line is respect yourself, respect each other, and respect the world. If you can do that, I'll work with you. There's an interesting feeling I've been having recently, especially in the last four years, where it's there is this association of um, if you're open minded, if you're progressive. Oh, there's a lot of these different words that can be then uh, a labeled and certain people might attach one or not. But in general, if you are liberal, um, there is this sense of peace that goes along with it. And I'm all for peace. I also understand that there are things in this society and things in this world that you need to fight for. And sometimes that literally means physical violence. Right. And I don't like this idea of, um, that for those of us who are opposed to racism and bigotry and things that literally not only can, but very much so do result There's no point in people it. being beaten to death or ostracized or humiliated or, yeah. or just raped or whatever. Like yes, there's no I, point to any of it. I, there's no point to any of it. But what I would like to say is that I, I hope, and I think that there is kind of a subsect of us who are open-minded, who are also very much so ready to um, physically fight for what we believe in. And, yeah. I, and that there yes. should be this other group of us. We're all on the same team, but there needs to be a group of us who are willing to I don't want to say take up arms, but like, it's not just a matter of like, oh, I'm going to give someone a hug and we're going to solve problems. Like well, if I see fucking brutalization happening, I'm willing to brutalize. Then that's, that's I have I mean. something to share with you. So I was recently in a documentary and it's called 12 and it's about the Austin protests. Oh, nice. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, my friend Logan, shout out Colossus. Hey. Um, he put it together and we spent probably about two weeks helping people going mm -hmm. around. I was both a security type person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then also a medic. And I was going around and helping people and, you know, telling fuck you cops and doing all, all the stuff. And something that I saw out there was that people were ready to fight for things and to fight for change. Even if they didn't have a solid direction, that energy, 
is definitely here in Austin fuck of mm-hmm. fuck y'all. We love one another and we will fuck your shit up if you try to destroy what we have, which is family, community, and love. Exactly. And that goes for all sexes, all creeds, all races. It does not matter who you are, what you are, where you're going. If you're here in Austin, let alone the world, we're going to protect you. We're going to fight for you. That's why. It wasn't just a trendy thing. Oh, look at me. I'm on the phone. It was a, you're a person. I'm a person. That's it. That's all it needs. That's all that's required. You're a human being, and I care about you, and I respect you, and I want to protect you and defend you. And I don't want to speak for you, but uh, would it be fair to say that that also applies to the people who hate you for who you are? Yes. And I think that's the most important thing. Not that you want to go fucking get a beer with them, but at the end of the day, we're at all the end a part of, the of this. Day, yeah. I will fight for everyone's right to live. Yeah. I will not fight for the right to destroy. Yes. Yeah. And if your actions and your ideals and your what drives you and makes you go vroom through life is to destroy others, yeah. I will never, ever side myself with someone like that. Ever. I love that. I can't. I completely agree. That's but. just going against our own, our own species. Like, do you realize that we're all the same species? Yeah. We're all just basically animals with tweed jackets and, you know, a beer can. Like, <laughs> why the hell are we spending so much time fighting one another when we could be creating, we could be innovating, we could be moving forward and lifting one another up and making a fucking difference. If we're the superior species, why are we fighting like we're goddamn chimpanzees? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, why? Yes, yes. Let the change begin. Yes, exactly. Yes. So with that in mind, again, I want to thank you all so much for what you're doing, again, from an organizational standpoint and from a musical standpoint. Um, I know that where these cameras are... We're getting some upgrades to the studio mm. soon that will allow us to record longer, but this, this is going to be flavor. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> uh, but is there anything happening from a musical standpoint that you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Yes. Okay. So we, I'm not going to reveal names just yet, but we have just signed five new artists. We are dropping three ooh, more ooh. albums in the next month to two months. Fuck yeah. We have our launch party happening January 30th. Shout out to Keith Johnson, who is helping me to put that together. And where's that party? It will probably be at the Riley. I still have to solidify the location. But it's definitely going to be an Austin event for sure. Mm. Um, Also, uh, we are actively looking for new artists to sign. You know, if you feel like you got the talent, you got that raw passion, you want to make a difference. Like we said, we're about positivity, you know, making changes, lifting one another up. You definitely need to get in touch with us because we want to help. And how should they do that? Um, I have, which I'll give it to you. I have a business email. They can also hit us up on Wavy Baby Records. It's going to be right here, as I'm pointing to this magical URL right here. So it will be cadenphoenix at gmail.com for my business email. And if you would like, you can also get in touch with me on my personal Facebook. You can get in touch with us on our Facebook page. We're on all social media. Wavy Baby. Yes, Wavy Baby Records. Cool. Um, Oh, one last thing. if you are a local business or a charity or a foundation and you like our message and you want to work with us, do not hesitate. We are all about community. We want to get the charity names out there. We want to get the foundations out there. We want to we want to be a community unity effort Love for it, family. Man. Awesome. All right, what about you, my dude? Um you can you can find me on uh, UGMA official on Instagram. Uh, if you go on Facebook, you'll find me at Uchime. And uh, on Twitter, if you go there, you'll find me at Uchime. Um, <laughs> it's just Uchime, Y-U-C-C-I-M-A-E. Love and it. So, yeah. are, you, are you making new music as we speak? Um, I mean, not, right, as, not right, literally as we speak, but you right, know. Right now. Right now, I am... Uh, I'm working on one album that I'm willing to talk about, and then I have a few other projects that I'm working on cool. with various artists. You gotta always um, keep it going, man. Yep. Um, but yet, yeah, um, the album I'm working on right now is uh, going to be about changing the basically society. Cool. Um, being that that dreamer, that the dream catcher, almost, you know. Yeah. You know, making society something that I want my children to live in. Love it. Yeah. 
I'm super excited to have y'all on. It means so much to me that y'all came on. Thank you again so much for reaching out. I wish y'all the best. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do. Um, I, I will if if the invite's there, I will be there on uh, was absolutely Jan- January 30th. Always. Yes. Okay. Cool. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. I wish you guys the best. I as someone who loves this city and loves music of all types, shapes, and sizes, or whatever, it means a lot to me to know. To have someone like y'all, a part of this community, who are doing something both artistically and culturally and societally, it's really important. Don't let anyone tell you to stop. Yes. Um, just fucking mm-hmm. do it. So thank yes, you guys so much. Really, sure. really appreciate it. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having thank you. us on. Thank you very much for, for watching. Uh, please find us on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And then um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts anything like that. Uh, also we have a Patreon and if you want to be a part of that, it's super simple, like super low amount per month that you can be a part of. You get access to behind the scenes content, our planning meetings. Uh, I'm going to be doing mm. some episodes in the future where I'm on mushrooms, which will only be available on uh, certain platforms like Patreon. So if you want to see that, uh, please check it out. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. If you like what you hear, you like what we see, uh, please hit that share button. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah.